0: Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanik, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. one of our physical locations or watching online. My name is Grace. I'm the Port Richmond location pastor. And today I'm so excited to continue our series called Essential. Uh, Every golf ball represents you, your gifts and talents and what you can use to serve people around you. Every box represents the opportunities in our locations to serve and be part of teams. And we just want to thank you if you've signed up for that team, if you've Join and receive that block team hat. Thanks for being part of the community and the core of our church. It's been amazing to just hear the basics of serving week after week. And today is block group launch. Our summer session of block groups is kicking off this week coming up and uh, we're really excited about the different opportunities that you have to engage in community through block groups and community has really been a big part of my life and Christian journey even though it's not always what I want or what I desire I kind of like to do things by myself and be alone and just this lone ranger and I like to study scripture by myself and I like to not talk to people and so the church has always been this challenge for me to love people and be kind to people and talk to people. And in my early 20s, there were two other girls in my church and we were committed to uh, just helping each other be better. And the only thing we really had in common was that We were young, we were single, we were females, and we really liked pie. And so there was this restaurant called Village Inn, which no longer exists. I think they went bankrupt. But they're like a Denny's, and they would have $1 slices of pie every Wednesday. So we would go to Village Inn, and we would get pie, slices like this, blueberry. (laughs) I'm here to make you hungry this morning. Strawberry rhubarb or my favorite apple pie, but we'd be committed to Wednesday nights, getting pie together and talking about our life, talking about what God was doing, where we felt challenged. And what was so amazing was we literally had nothing in common. One girl was like super hippie, crunchy granola, never wore socks or shoes, like Teva's only for life. Uh, The other girl was like, hairspray, makeup, heels every day. like, And this was like the 2000s when those huge necklaces were you know, in season and just wore the most gaudy jewelry. And then I was like just this stressed out kids pastor. Like I don't even know how to describe myself in that season, but we were committed to Wednesday nights going to Pie Rush Wednesdays. And we did that for almost two years. And God used that moment, used that season in my life to help me realize this is not about having everything in common and talking to people who think like me and look like me and talk like me. I actually got to a deeper place in my walk, my personal walk with the Lord by being in relationship with people who were so different. And sometimes we'd bring out our Bibles and we'd talk through a scripture. But a lot of times we would just talk about what was God doing? Where did we feel challenged? Where did we need the Lord to minister to us? And we really found God's kindness in those conversations. And so the sweetness of God's presence in those conversations was tied to the pie for me. So pie now represents in my life the sweetness of community, the sweetness of God's presence that's unique when we're in vulnerable conversations, when we're in moments of feeling the safety that comes through that community, where we feel like I can say anything right now and I'm not gonna be met with uh, correction or harshness or judgment. I'm gonna be loved into a Deeper understanding. I'm going to be loved into humility. And so, pie is just this sweet opportunity. Uh, It's this representation of community. And so, today, the title of my message is called Pie Rush. And I want all of you who are taking notes to write that down Pie Rush, okay? (laughs) Pie Rush. Some of you guys are cringing so hard. You're like, it probably was a cry fest every Wednesday, and that sounds like the worst. Okay. Maybe for you, it's connecting over sports or hiking or, you know, grilling meat. I know we got a lot of guys in our church who love to grill meat whatever that connection point is okay that's what the pie represents today Uh, the stats are really interesting Um, the stats that have come out in 2021 or even this year uh, the loneliness epidemic that is growing more and more the pandemic really influenced us to be more isolated and to be leery of people, weary of people, or to just connect through superficial ways. So what uh, they're reporting now is that 36% of Americans report that they're lonely. That might not feel like a high stat to you, but it's about the dramatic um, growth that that has over two years. We used to be reporting between 15 and 20%. So for it to now be 36 within the last couple of years shows we're getting more and more lonely. of people in America report that they don't have a best friend outside of a family member. So family's important, we need family, but there's something unique about having somebody you can call a best friend who doesn't share a bloodline, who has no responsibility to be in relationship with you, but they just choose to be in relationship. They choose to show up for you. 41% that's nearing the halfway mark, half of Americans not being able to say they have a best friend. Uh, This is really interesting. Men are far far less likely than women to have received emotional support from a friend in the past week compared to 21% of men. Think about how low that is within the, the last week to be able to say you've gotten emotional support from somebody a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, somebody from church. And as much as I personally hate that we need emotional support, it's the facts of life. We need somebody who's believing in us, speaking life into us, praying for us. That directly impacts our mental health, our emotional health, our relational health, and really our spiritual health. Because God designed us to be in relationship with each other. He always had the community in mind. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Joey mentioned that from Genesis to Revelation, the scriptures are speaking to groups of people. As much as Jesus died for us individually and it's an individual relationship, the scriptures are always through the lens of interacting with others, of having community. The Old Testament, the law was all about how to be at peace with God and peace with men. The laws were not just about being at peace with God. It was also about don't commit murder, don't bear false witness, don't commit adultery. There were laws protecting us from harming the relationships of people we were around. The New Testament, same story. In the Gospels, Jesus gave 49 specific commands for us to follow, and 22 of them directly have to do with another person. Jesus didn't only give us commands for how to love him or how to repent or how to be in communion with him. He gave 22 specific commands like go and make disciples, like love your neighbor, Don't commit adultery, bring in the poor, beware of false prophets. All of these have to do with being in relationship with other people. And Jesus said things like John 13, 34. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And that's a very tweetable scripture. Maybe you've seen it on Pinterest, maybe you've seen it on Instagram with a beautiful background, maybe you have seen it as the verse of the day and you created your own beautiful image. Those are my favorite. Uh, That's a great scripture. When I read that on my own, what comes to mind are loving the people who are lovable. My dad, my sister, my best friends, the girl at church who always compliments me on my outfit, no matter what, thank you, I love you. That scripture, when you read it in community, somebody will have the wherewithal or the understanding of this also pertains to loving our enemies and laying our life down for the people who are frustrating us. And And somebody will bring you into reality to say, oh, and what about this? And so when you're in community, you start getting a more well-rounded view. You have opportunity to process verbally. You have opportunity to think in a more holistic way. How do we love one another? We must love one another. Well, who is one another? And you need to really process through who am I interacting with? The SEPTA bus driver, I need to love them, right? The the barista or the Dunkin' Donuts um, person, like you have to think about that in the full gamut of your life. That's where the beauty of community comes in. So you can think about it holistically. When I was uh, in my early twenties, I was also in a Bible study with six other people and I was committed to this Bible study. This was like old school. You just sat in a circle and you opened your Bibles and you went through it verse by verse. And that's not everybody's cup of tea, but that was my jam. Uh, All of them were in their forties and fifties. And then I was like 21 or 22. And I loved them. and I remember one night really being on my soapbox about freedom, and, and I don't remember all that I was saying, but if you know me, you know I just can get on a soapbox. I was just saying a lot of things. And after I got done with my little rant, uh, one of the other ladies in the group, I didn't know her super well, and I can't even remember her name to this day, but I remember very specifically what she shared and what she said right after I did. She said, you know, when I look through the scriptures, I see two options, two simple options, to be a slave to sin or to be a slave to Christ. And I will choose being a slave to Christ day after day after day even if it infringes on my personal freedoms and she said it very humbly very genuinely she talked about her perspective but she had a maturity behind what she was saying she had internalized what surrender meant and she had a deep revelation of what jesus did for her that she could genuinely say i will choose being a slave to christ every day even if it means i give up my personal freedoms and as a young 20 year old I needed that, and I remember being like, I had nothing else to say after that. You know, it was one of those moments where you just feel like so gently and lovingly rebuked. It, it was definitely a pie rush moment. I felt like I was just sitting in the rest of the group just eating pie silently, just like processing. And I went to her a few days later and I said, thank you so much for your maturity, like I needed your Christian maturity. I needed your uh, just life maturity. I needed your perspective. It was so different than mine or what my peers were saying. It's so different than the circles I ran in. Nobody in the circles that I was in like by choice was saying, yes, Jesus, please infringe on my personal freedom. And for her to say that got me to a deeper place. And I think that we we all need that. I've been personally studying Galatians and Ephesians, and uh, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament is so rich because the first three chapters, Paul is just describing all that Jesus has done for us. He talks about the forgiveness of our sins, the grace that God has extended to us, how he's given us the Holy Spirit. And it's just three chapters of rich theology about God's great love for us. And then in chapter four, he calls the Christians, the followers of Jesus, to live a certain way way and and in chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 let me read it to you paul writes therefore i a prisoner for serving the lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling for you have been called by god always be humble and gentle Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. We don't live this way to get God to love us. It is the exact opposite. We are able to live this way because God loves us. And we need those constant reminders because as much as you can have an intellectual understanding of God's love for you, unless you have community holding you accountable and checking on you and saying, hey, you're trying to earn God's love right now and you're you're trying to be peaceful, but you're not living from a place of, I'm so loved and so safe that then I can extend peace and forgiveness and unity. And, And you need community calling you on those motives in those moments, because it's so easy to be blind, blind to ourselves, blind to our own motives. And I think we can receive a passage like this that's so meaty and convicting in a couple different ways. The first way is we can be defeated perfectionists and we can see a scripture like this and we can say, I'll never be that loving. I I can't be that humble or that patient. I, I can't practice that peace. I'm too mean. My sin is too great. I'm too unruly. I'm too broken. I've never been part of community like this. It's not real. It doesn't exist. You can hear a scripture like that and you can immediately start poking holes through it and say, here's all the reasons why that's not possible. You can also read a scripture like that and you can be the oblivious optimist. And you can say, praise God. I just practice peace everywhere I go. I'm just the most forgiving person. And man, I just, I'm so merciful to everybody and I'm just unified always. And I've been in conversations with people like that. And I'm like, God bless, good. I would never be able to say that. Like I just so know how wicked I am. <laughs> but you could just be that oblivious optimist that's like, hey, this is all good. Or you can be the mature believer. I want to live this way and I can, but I recognize the only way I can is with the help of the Holy Spirit. The only way I'm able to walk in this is when God is moving through me and when God out of his mercy and love has transformed my heart to help me pursue peace with all people, to help me walk according to how I've been called and, and really living in that space of because God's called me, I can pursue peace and I can be in unity with all. And I just wanna say this to all of you listening right now, you are called by God. You are called according to his purpose. If you have received salvation, even if it was today, during the worship moment, you raise your hand, you are called and God has a plan for your life and you need to walk worthy of that calling. If you've been saved for 20 years and you're still intimidated by scripture, you need to hear this today. You are called by God. Walk according to that. Walk in a way that's worthy of that calling on your life. Christians, we can't afford to not walk worthy of the callings on our life. That means to be at peace and be at unity and be patient and humble and making allowance for each other's faults. We have conflict, we deal with it, and we need to be unified again under the name of Jesus. So scripture was always meant to be read together. It was always meant to be discussed. In the Old Testament, they'd come into synagogue and they would discuss and teach and they would memorize it. And it was this communal moment In the New Testament, uh, same thing. They would talk and discuss. Jesus would give teaching. They would discuss with each other. Well, what does that mean? And how do you live this out? We need more of that in our culture. We need on Sundays to leave hearing the message and go discuss it with our roommates or family members. We need to internalize it. We need to make sure we're not just being hearers of the word, but we're being doers. We need block groups during the week reminding us of what was preached on Sunday and the direction that God's bringing our church and our house so that we're going along with all that God has for us. We need places where we can ask questions and say, I heard Pastor Joey mention this. I don't quite understand that. I don't quite know how to internalize that. We need brothers and sisters of faith. We need godly community where we can ask questions and we can wrestle through things and we can internalize. And I want to say this to you it's good to be in a group where not everybody agrees all the time. It's good for you. Some of us will go to block groups and somebody comes from a different background, denomination, theological standing, and we're looking through a scripture or we're talking about it as we are hiking and we get turned off and we're like, ooh, that didn't feel good. They disagree with me. And so we don't go back to group. I wanna challenge that and say, keep going back, keep wrestling together, keep hearing it from somebody else's perspective, keep seeing it through somebody else's lens. That doesn't mean you have to agree, but it makes it more rich when you look through it yourself to be challenged. Hopefully what's happening is you get softened and you, you stop being so rigid in your interpretation. You stop being so prideful in how you understand scripture. Maybe you go to a group, you know, this summer session and, and it's at somebody's home and you're studying the Bible or going through a book. It's amazing. If that's your cup of tea, do that. But some of you need to know just how diverse the opportunities are. We have activity groups that are based around doing things together. And the hope is that you build connection, community, and have a conversation about the Lord as you're doing that activity. Some of you are gonna love sitting around and talking about the Bible. Do that, we love that. But for others of you, participate in these different groups on Zoom or in person, all different times of the week. It's six weeks. What I really wanna say to you is I think that there's so many sitting in the seats who are called God's beckoning, God's inviting you to lead groups and to set the tone and space, to set the table for people to come and talk and discuss and be in community. So participate this summer. Be a faithful attendee, a faithful member for six weeks, and then in the fall, lead something. Be creative, ask God, what kind of a table do you want me to set? Is it through playing board games? Is it through watching sports? Is it through reading a certain book? You need to set a pie rush moment and invite people into the sweetness of community where you can just be honest and real and have conversations. There's endless opportunities. If you wanna talk about the boxes that are available for this, they are endless. You can be creative, but you need to participate yourself. You need to serve another leader this summer session for six weeks. So then you've, you've got an understanding in the fall so you can lead well. Get creative, understand that. God's desire for community is not shallow, it's not limited, and it's not just all that you've seen before. God does new things and there's new creative ways for us to be connected with one another. What I'd love to do now is share a couple of stories of some block group leaders that have been serving our house and serving you by leading block groups. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.